All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be starting a brand new teaching series this morning on um, titled Such a Great Salvation. Uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, we also want to say thank you to those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. If you're wondering how you can do so, simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org and go to our give page and you can give them anywhere around the world. If you would rather send us a check, simply uh, make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page, we have our mailing address. And so, uh, just so you know, we are not going to have Bible study tonight. We're just going to take an evening off. Uh, Shay and I have been working. We worked all day yesterday, too, so we just need a day off. So we're going to uh, just take a little sabbatical for ourselves, but we will pick it up next week, next Sunday night uh, at 6 p.m. So without further ado, I'm just going to jump right into the message. We're having a little late start this morning. We had some uh, technical challenges uh, all morning, and we finally fixed them. Well, at least to get the message going this morning. <coughs> but anyway, uh, Grace to it, and here we are. I'm trying a brand new teaching series this morning called such a great salvation. Now this is really a continuation of our last teaching that we just uh, finished last week on the essence of redemption. As I mentioned three weeks ago before I started our last teaching series, I have a trilogy of teaching series that I'm going to be doing. The first one is the essence of uh, redemption, which we just finished last, last Sunday. And then the, uh, this one is such a great salvation. I'm not sure how many weeks this will be. This might be five, six or more uh, weeks on this one. And then we will have another one on the, 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 uh, the, the, the new covenant, basically, the blood of my, my covenant. I forget the exact title, but it basically is coming from when Paul uh, talks about the communion, and he talks about the bread that was broken for us and the blood of my of the new covenant. And so, and so that comes from communion, but it's not just communion we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the new covenant. And do a lot of comparison with the old covenant, but also the new covenant, and talk about what this new covenant that we have is all about. And so these were all, <coughs> all three of these teaching series go together, uh, really in one, what I call a trilogy of teaching series. And so they, they're all talking about this salvation that we have, but they're taking it from different aspects. The last one was talking about redemption. This one we'll get into in just a moment. And then uh, uh, the next one we're going to be talking about the covenant. And they really all are about the same message, but we're just taking them from different angles uh, as we preach the gospel. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into today's, <coughs> excuse me, today's lesson. Excuse me. And uh, this teaching series is such a great salvation. You know, when we talk about salvation, there's so much. It's so rich. It's so deep. And there's so many aspects on it. And I, really, we teach about salvation in every message that we teach here. Um, but I have never done a message necessary in, in recent years on salvation itself. And really just diving in on what our salvation is. We have a great salvation. And we're going to get into this. That it's more than just the forgiveness of sins. And even though I say that, I am never downplaying for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, that is necessary. Without the forgiveness of sins, there is no salvation. Okay, so I'm not downplaying that, but it's more than just that. I'm not saying it's 
only forgiveness of sins, and I'm not saying that forgiveness of sins is unimportant. It's one of the most key ingredients of salvation is the forgiveness of sins. But it's much more than just that. And because our sins are forgiven, salvation is much more than that. And hopefully this will come out in this teaching series. Now, also be aware, in this teaching series, I'm going to be using a lot of scripture. Okay? There's a lot of scripture. I mean, it just it's, this is almost going to be like a Bible encyclopedia. Okay? Some of you don't even know what encyclopedia is anymore. But it just, I mean, I'm just going to be, there's a lot of scripture here. And so, uh, and, and so, if you have a Bible, you might be turning pages like crazy. If not, write the references down. We're going to have them on the screen. And so, there will be a lot of scripture, not just in today's lesson, but also throughout this teaching series on such a great salvation. So, without further ado, let me, let's jump in. Uh, what I'm going to do here at the beginning, I'm going to uh, highlight the, t the titles. Of the, 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 I have this in four segments of this teaching series. The, the such a great salvation. The first thing we're going to be talking about today is, um, if I click it will work, if not, we'll just do it the old-fashioned way. Well, we'll do it that way, okay, there's more than one way to turn the page. Okay, uh, today what we're going to talk about the gift of salvation, I'll talk more about that in just a moment because that's the, the day's message. Next week, if we get there, if we get far enough, because I have a lot of stuff on this, we'll be talking about the purpose of salvation. Today we're going to be talking about really salvation by definition, the gift of salvation. Today, the next week we'll talk about the purpose of salvation. And with that, uh, we're going to be talking about the necessity of salvation. It's a little bit more than just a necessity, but really uh, to get a little deeper what salvation includes. And, I mean, and what it involves and, and why we need to be saved and, and whatnot. And then the last section, which I'm going to break off into even some more subsections, we'll be talking about the benefits of salvation. Okay. So we'll get into those territories in future weeks. But today we're going to be talking about the gift of salvation. In other words, <coughs> I had originally titled this section, Divine the Definition of Salvation. We're going to be defining salvation, but we're going to, it's much more than that. We're going to talk about how salvation is a gift. Okay. So let's deal with some definitions here at the beginning. Okay. In the Hebrew, Yeshua, the word salvation means wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. There are some other uh, definitions that go coincide with these definitions, but these are the four we're going to be highlighting. And when we get into the benefits of salvation, I'm going to be highlighting very deeply. Uh, I'm going to talk about salvation with wholeness. I'm going to be talking about healing. I'm going to be talking about prosperity, which I know some people don't like, uh, but it's, it's, it's salvation. And then we're going to talk about deliverance. But I'm, I'm going to bring some clarity to some of these things. And I'm, I'm going to debunk some uh, wrong teachings, but I'm also going to bring some balance to some of those wrong, uh, wrong teachings too. So, uh, so I mean, in, in the Hebrew, the word salvation, by definition, just the definition of the word salvation, means these things, okay? Now, if you go to the Greek, you're not going to see much different. It's soteria, and it means wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. The same definitions. The, my point I'm trying to make at the beginning, the word salvation, just by definition, even if we don't go deeper, but we are, it means, in both the Hebrew and both the Greek, it means wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. 
Now, some people don't like the healing aspect. Some people don't like the, the prosperity aspect. We're going to deal with that in the, second, in the fourth segment when we talk about the benefits of salvation. We're going to go a lot deeper with these. Now, even though we're going to go deeper with these uh, later on in our teaching, these will be intertwined in our teaching to, at, at times as we go forward. Okay? So, today we're talking about how the gift of salvation. Salvation is a gift. How I many of you know you can't earn a gift? A gift is not based on your performance. <coughs> a gift is based on the giver. You don't have to have birthday gifts. You don't have to have Christmas gifts. You don't have to have wedding gifts or whatever. It's based on the heart of the giver. Salvation is God's gift to us because he loves us. None of us deserve salvation. You cannot earn it. You can try but you cannot earn salvation, okay? And again, we're going to use a lot of scripture. The first one I want to go to is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We'll go back to this verse many times throughout this teaching. But it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. <coughs> Excuse me. And not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. That's what I'm pointing out right now. That is a gift of God. Okay, so we're going to be looking at uh, and this verse in many aspects throughout this teaching, but right now I'm just highlighting salvation is a gift. It is the gift of God. Not of the works, it's not of yourself, lest any man shall boast. You can't boast about uh, earning salvation. You can't boast that you are more qualified to have salvation than anyone else. We are all disqualified. We are all deserve hell. The only reason we're qualified is because Jesus, by his grace, redeemed us, which we talked about in our last, in the last uh, teaching series. You are only saved by grace. Grace through faith is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Okay? So, the, in other words, based on this verse, see, it says it's a gift, and it's not of yourselves. It's by his grace. It's grace through faith. It's not grace alone that we're going to unpack that. And it's not faith alone. It's grace through faith. Okay? It's a good gift. But based on this verse, <coughs> excuse me, the basis of salvation is grace. Okay? Let's look, look at grace just for a moment. See, grace is God's, grace is charis in the, in the Greek. That's why we have charis Bible college. It's, it means grace. God, it means God's undeserved, God's undeserved, unmerited favor towards us. It's undeserved. We don't deserve it. If you deserve it, it's not grace. You can't merit it. It's God's unmerited favor. It's more than just favor. It's unmerited. You can't earn it. If you can earn it, by definition, it's not grace. Okay? Merited favor would be an oxymoron. Does that make sense? Okay? It, 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 it's, a, it's like having uh, uh, dry water or cold fire. You can't have it, okay? Uh, it also, I mean, it's, it's expressed in providing redemption through Jesus Christ or, or Christ Jesus, okay? It's expressed in providing redemption, which we talked about in our last teaching series, okay? But the... So, so anyway, let me go back real quick. I should put the slide again. The basis of salvation is grace. But the means of, of, God, of God saving us is through faith. We're going to look at this, 
thing that grace aligned this first uh, segment of our teaching, okay? See, through faith we accept God's free gift of salvation that he provided by his grace. It's a gift. And through faith we accept the gift. When someone gives you a gift, you say, thank you. Okay, faith accepts God's free gift. It's free as a gift of salvation that he provided by grace. God provided the grace, and we receive it by faith. Grace and gift go, are synonymous in many ways. It's, it's grace. It's, it's unmerited favor. It's a gift. How do you, you didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It's God's gift to you. It's God's grace to you. The only way you can receive it is by faith in accepting his gift, accepting his salvation, accepting his grace. See, the word sal saved that we already, we already covered up by definition in Hebrew Greek, the word saved means much more than our forgiveness of sins. I've already qualified that, and I am not downplaying the forgiveness of sins. I spent three weeks just so talking about redemption. And I can spend weeks and weeks talking about the significance of our forgiveness. Okay? In many ways, the forgiveness is the foundation of our salvation. But there's many other aspects to our salvation than just the foundation. We have a house. The most important part of this house is the foundation. But if all we had a foundation, we had no walls, no windows, no doors, no plumbing, no electrical, no gas, no utilities, it would pretty be a pretty... It, I mean, it wouldn't even be a barn. It would, it would, it would just be a slab of, of cement. But if you don't have the foundation, the, the house has no value. It can crumble. It can fall. You can't build the windows and the walls and plumbing without the foundation. But you know, the house is more than the foundation. Forgiveness is foundational to our salvation. But it's not the only thing. It's much more. And I, pray, I praise God we have foundation in this house. But I praise God, we also have walls and toilets and different things. Okay, I'm glad we have those things. That makes sense? The, and the house would be nothing without forgiveness, but the house, in one sense, would also be nothing without the other elements. It's an all-inclusive package. <coughs> you know, if you got a car, if, when, do you want the, just the frame of the car, or do you want the steering wheel, too? Do you want the gas pump? Do you want, the, the, do you want seats? So if you want a CD player or, or you know, a uh, uh, sound system or not, it's all packaged here. It's much more than just the frame of the car. <coughs> it's much maybe you have a car that has all the basics. It runs, it drives, it goes backwards, it goes forwards, it drives, it, it does stuff. It, it, but some of you want some nice comfortable seats. Some of you also want a trunk for luggage or, or uh, where you put your cargo. Some of you also want to have air conditioning and, and other components. You can have a basic car, or you can have something that has much more than just a car. Okay? That makes sense? The car is nothing if you have a, 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 you know, a sound system in there, but the car doesn't run. Well, then you have to go to the car ju just to listen to music. I want a car so I can drive and go somewhere. It's transportation, okay? But there's much more to our salvation. Am I painting the picture? Okay? So I'm not downplaying forgiveness. It's, it's essential. But I'm also bringing out that salvation is much more than just forgiveness of sins. 
See, salvation includes, includes wholeness in every area of our lives. Salvation includes healing in every area of our lives. Salvation includes prosperity in every area of our lives. And it also includes deliverance in every area of our lives. Okay? Because it's worth saying, that's what it means. You can fill the, the definition of the word into every aspect of what salvation includes. Okay? Again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For grace you have been saved through faith and not of your works. Not, not of yourself, it is a gift of gift, not of works, as anyone should boast. We highlighted that as it was a gift, and we're going to keep talking about that. Let's look at this word saved real quick. We already kind of looked at it in the Hebrew and Greek, but let's look at it some more. This word saved in this particular verse is in the perfect tense. What does that mean? Okay, that's that's not you're just saying that's all Greek to me. It's in the perfect tense. It means something was done and completed in the past. Yet continues to have present results. That makes sense. Something when in the Greek, in the original language, when something is in the perfect tense, is something that was done or completed in the past, but it still continues to have present results. So we are saved, and we are continuing being saved. We were saved. And we are continually seeing the results of that salvation today. Okay? God's grace has already provided all spiritual blessings in Christ. Jesus died on the cross for once. He died for sins for all. He provided salvation once and for all. He's not going to die again and again and again and again. He already provided it. Okay? And Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord... Let me start over. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He, when you pray and ask God for something, ask God for a blessing or, or a healing or provision, He has already provided it. He has provided every blessing that you will ever need in Christ Jesus. It's already there. He's not going to do it again. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Faith reaches out to God and receives those benefits. It receives those blessings. God has already provided every, heaven, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Faith simply receives what, we, what God has already done. Are you following me? Am I making sense so far? Let's use another one. Romans 5, 2. Through whom, talk about Jesus, also we have access by faith into this grace which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We looked at this verse a lot in our last teaching series. See, one thing I'm trying to bring across this morning, I'm talking about how, how, how salvation is a gift, but I'm also bringing some balance between faith and grace. See, we are not saved by grace alone, and we are not saved by faith alone. We are saved by grace through faith. In other words, <coughs> excuse me, faith grants us permission to God's grace. God has already provided grace. He's already provided salvation. He's already given us a gift. Every blessing is already in Christ Jesus. 
And faith is the key to access that. Faith is a, has. Let me go backwards just for a moment. They, by faith, we access this grace. The grace is already there. But by faith, we access It's a key. You know, I've already used the illustration of a house and a car. This house would be fine and dandy, but if we don't have the keys of the house, we can't get in. If we don't have a key to the car, we can't get in and we can't drive the thing. You know, you can have a nice, beautiful car, but if you don't have the key, it ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you can have a nice, beautiful house, a mansion, but if you don't have the key, you can't get in. <laughs> yeah, you can break a window and whatnot, but is that really how you want to enjoy your house? Okay. But anyway, we, but we're not trying to break into our car or our house. We're trying to live in it. We're trying to use it. So let's go back here. Faith grants us the permission or the access to God's grace. In other words, without faith, grace is wasted. Without grace, see, let me say, let me go back. Without faith, grace is wasted. But without grace, faith is powerless. If you don't have grace, where are you going to put your faith in? You? And if you don't have faith and grace, the grace is there, but you can't use it. You can't turn the thing on. So, Faith in God's grace must be released to receive what God has provided through Christ. This is deep, if you get this. This is how healing works. This is how prosperity works. This is how salvation works. <coughs> Faith in God's grace must be released to receive what God has already provided through Christ. I know some people don't believe this, but that's why it's not working for you. Okay? We need to understand the laws of God's kingdom. Just like we have to understand the law of gravity, the law of sowing and reaping, the law of cause and effect, the law of thermodynamics. There are many natural laws. And if you don't understand them, they can either they can help you or they can kill you. <coughs> but there's a law of faith. And this is how the law of faith works. And we talk about the laws, the spiritual laws. They work for everybody. Everywhere, every time. Faith in God's grace must be released to receive what God has provided through Christ. Let's go to another scripture. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God, Paul saying, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul saying a lot here about grace right here. I am what I am because of God's grace. And I labored more, more abundantly than you all. But not I. It was the grace of God in me that labored more than you all. We live by grace. Everything we can do. If we have accomplished anything in this life, if we have accomplished anything as ministers, if we have accomplished anything good, it's by God's grace, and it's not you. You might have put faith in God's grace, and God was able to use you. You might have put faith in God and allow God to use you, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your obedience. We thank you for yielding to the Holy Spirit. We thank you, and that's proper. But it wasn't you, it was God's grace in you that gave able to do, for you to accomplish anything good. See, God's grace is the same towards everyone. You don't have a different kind of grace than I do. Because you don't have a different kind of salvation than I do. 
You don't have a different kind of Jesus than I do. See, Titus says it this way, Titus 2.11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. <coughs> the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Everyone has salvation provided for them. It's not like, well, now I wouldn't say, we'll get there, hold on. First John 2.2 2 says that he himself, Jesus, <coughs> Excuse me, is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. God has provided propitiation for sins for the whole world, not just us. He's provided salvation for everyone. But you say, but not everyone's saved. Is that not true? But why, why is not everyone saved? Because not all have mixed faith with what God has done for them by grace. God has saved everyone. God has provided salvation to all men. But not all have mixed faith with what God has done by grace. And so therefore, not everyone has received forgiveness. God has already forgiven everybody, but not everyone has received that forgiveness. God forgave you before you ever asked for it. But until you receive his propitiation, until you receive what he did for you by grace, you can't experience it. You are not saved. You're still lost. You're still a sinner. And, 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 and that works for the forgiveness of sin, but it also works for healing. It also works for prosperity and deliverance and wholeness. You, if you don't believe it, you won't receive it. And so you'll still be sick. You'll still be with lack. Or you're going to get... Provision in your own strength and not God's. See, failure to understand the necessity of, of both grace and faith will lead to many problems. It, it, it will just lead to, it, it won't work. God's grace won't work. And you'll be frustrated. And you'll get mad at God. And it wasn't God's problem. He provided grace. He did his part. But you didn't put faith in his grace, and now it leads to many problems. And now you're mad at God when he's not the one that stuck you are. See, some emphasize grace to extreme that renders faith useless. Others emphasize faith apart from God's grace. To say that God controls everything by his sovereignty alone is wrong. So you're saying God controlled Hitler? You're saying God controls everyone who's been raped and everyone who's gone through horrible things? Because if God controls everything, then God controls everything. Nothing's excluded. See, that, that's a bad doctrine. That doctrine is wrong. God does not control. And, and that sovereignty and control and everything are not synonymous. The Queen of England is sovereign over England, but she does not micromanage every single thing that happens in that country. She doesn't govern when everyone uses the bathroom. She doesn't govern when everyone eats and drinks. She doesn't govern whether someone snores at night, whether someone doesn't snore. She does not govern everything in England. Okay? That's not sovereignty. God is sovereign in the right definition of sovereignty. But God does not control everything. There are certain things that God cannot do. 
And you don't say, God can do everything. God can do anything. No. I'm sorry to say, God cannot sin. God cannot do evil. God cannot violate his promises and his word. God cannot break his covenant. There's certain things God cannot and will not do. God does not control everything. Why is there evil in the world? Because people have a free will. If you didn't have a free will and you were forced to be saved, that's not love. If everyone was forced to be saved because they didn't have a free will, then, then God doesn't love us because that's not love. You cannot force someone to love you. That makes sense? To emphasize faith apart from grace, God's grace is legalism. See, faith doesn't move God. God moves on his own free will by grace. See, faith only appropriates what God had already provided by his grace. You know, when Andrew Womack teaches faith and grace, he uses the comparison of sodium and chloride. And we're going to look at this real quick. If you put sodium and, sodium and chloride together, what do you get? You get salt. Okay? See, each of these, sodium and chloride, are poisonous by themselves. Grace and faith independently are deadly. If you just have sodium by itself, it's poison. It can be deadly. And so can chloride by itself. But together, united, they make salt. And you can't live without salt in your body. I know we want to eat some salt-free things, and I understand some people have that perspective, and I, I believe we can have too much salt. But you can't live without any salt. And some of my wife is a very good baker, very good cook. And some of her recipes ask for just a pinch of salt. But you know that if you didn't have that pinch of salt, it would destroy whatever it, that that. Whatever she baked would not turn out. Salt is good when it's united. Our sodium and chloride is good when it's united. But by themselves, they're, they're, they're deadly. They're poisonous. See, faith in his grace is the key to victorious living. It's not just grace, and it's not just faith. It's faith in his grace. And when they, faith in his grace is the key to living victoriously as a Christian. It's a key. They're deadly by themselves. They're dangerous. Your doctrine, your life, your can be wrong and can be wrong big time. You can get messed up spiritually. Your doctrine can be messed up spiritually if you're all faith and no grace and all grace no faith. It's like it's poisonous, but it's awesome. It works. We're supposed to be the salt of the world. So when we are trying to reach people, we're not just all faith. <coughs> and no grace. Some people will preach the gospel to people, and there's no grace. And some people have a bunch of grace, but there's they don't trust nobody. <laughs> okay, and so w w when we preach it, we can preach it also as salt with faith and grace. Anyway, that's another message for another time. Okay, that was just a little freebie. Let's go back to Ephesians two eight nine real quick. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. Again, salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift, but faith is a gift also a gift. We don't think about that. See, faith, let's look at faith over. But before I go here, faith is also the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit later. But there's human faith, and then there's supernatural or biblical or, or, or God's kind of faith. See, the human faith is limited to our five senses, what, what we hear, see, smell, taste, and feel. I think I got them all. But supernatural or spiritual faith is independent of our circumstances. It's independent of the flesh, of the natural. See, where does faith come from? Again, Romans 4, 17. Actually, I wrong scripture for that. But this, this is where I want to go. Paul's writing in Romans 4, 4. He says, he's talking about Abraham. He says, as it is written, he's quoting, I, I God, have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations. In the presence of him, God, whom he, Abraham, believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Where am I going with this? See, faith is a gift too. That's what I'm trying to establish right now. But to go there, let me go here. To receive salvation, we must believe what we can't see. And I know that's hard. But see, God operates in faith. When God created the heavens and earth, when God said, let there be light, did he see light before there was light? No. He called those things which don't exist as though they did. We don't think about it this way. <coughs> but everything God did, he did by faith. God believed in himself. God believed in his own word. We don't think about it like that, but it's true. Okay? So, to receive salvation, we must believe what we can't see. <coughs> Excuse me. For example, we can't see God and we can't see the devil. We cannot, we cannot have seen heaven or hell. But we must believe these things exist. We must believe God exists. We must believe the devil exists. We must believe there is a heaven. And we must believe there is a hell. We can't see them, but we can believe them. See, human faith cannot believe what it can't see. But where do we get this faith to be saved? Faith in his grace. This is where I was going to go a minute ago. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, we actually use God's supernatural faith to get saved. Most of us don't, don't understand this. This is a foreign concept to some people. See, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, I'm going to use the King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. <coughs> and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say, verse 3, we don't go to here a lot, we use the end of verse 2. For I say, though, the grace given unto me 
to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I like the King James because according to the Greek, this is accurate. It's not just, a, most translations will say a measure of faith, but the King James is accurate with the Greek. It's called the measure of faith. Everyone had the same measure of faith. You don't have more faith than I do, and I don't have more faith than you do. I have my, maybe you or I actually, Maybe I exercised your, my faith more than you did. Or maybe you exercised your faith more than I did. But we all have the same measure. For example, a baby has all the same muscles I have. The baby can walk, has all the same muscles that I do to walk, to talk, to, to climb a mountain, to do this, to do that, to play baseball, to play football, to write. To, do, to ride a bike, to drive a car, but a baby can't even walk yet. Why? Why? Because it hasn't used the muscles yet. It hasn't exercised it. It hasn't developed them yet. A baby has all the same body parts I do. Okay? It's just some body parts haven't been developed. Some muscles haven't been developed yet. Okay? It's not like it's not like a baby when it becomes adolescent that certain body parts just arrive. And I know some people can disagree on some, some aspect of that. But again, that's why I use the phrase something that does not develop yet. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to go there in certain areas. But I think most of us understand what I'm talking about. Okay, we all have the same measure of faith. Salvation, again, is a gift. Faith is also a gift, as we're going to talk about. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Romans 6.23 says, But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Salvation. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's look at this word gift just for a moment. It's something that is bestowed voluntarily and without compensation. What does that mean? When someone gives you a gift for Christmas, your birthday, maybe just because, you don't ask, how much do I owe you? Hmm. At Christmas time, when we exchange gifts, and someone gives you a gift, how much do I owe you for this? You just don't say that. Why? Because it's a gift. God gave us a gift of salvation, so we don't have to ask him, how much do I owe you? It's a gift. And you, you I mean, <coughs> There's some gifts you could never pay back even if you could, wanted to. Okay? You simply say, thank you. I received. If I give you a gift and you ask me how much I owe you, in some circumstances I could actually be offended by that. <laughs> I don't want you to pay me. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to be blessed by it. I don't want... In some circumstances, if I give you a gift, and you give me money for it, you just took my blessing away. I'm not talking about the spiritual part about giving better than receiving. I'm just talking about, I gave it to you to bless you. Not to be paid back. Now, you understanding what I'm saying here? I mean, some of you are saying, yeah, pay me back. Huh? Yeah, I'm, like, you know, I'm good. 
Some of you are just greedy. But at the same point in time, you know, the way it works though, the way it's supposed to work is when you give someone a gift, you just you don't you don't ask how much I owe you. You just say thank you. Okay? Some of us need to have some matters. But see, the nature of God's grace is it's not of yourselves. It is a gift. It's not of works of human effort. It excludes man's boasting in himself. You cannot boast. Because you are good at anything. You can boast in God's grace. I can say thank you for obeying God. I can say thank you for, for being diligent and being faithful to God. But I also realize in saying that you being faithful to God, that the source of your strength, the source of your faithfulness came from God. Let's go to Romans real quick. Romans 3, 27 to 26. Where is boasting then? We'll look at this a lot more later on in our study, but it is excluded. By what law? By what law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. Faith is the law. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. His mercy is a gift. It's just another way of saying it, but it's his mercy. You can't earn mercy. You can't earn grace, or it's not grace, and you can't earn mercy, or it's not mercy. If you earn it, it's a wage. Not a gift, not mercy, not grace. The wages of sin, uh, that's another verse I would take back to you. It's, it, the wages of sin is death. The wage of sin is not mercy. The wage of sin is not grace. It's not salvation. It's death. But the gift of God, his propitiation, his salvation is a gift. Healing is a gift. Provision is a gift. It's not because you prayed hard enough. I believe in prayer, and we'll get into some of that. But prayer is just asking, basically receiving what God has provided. God's already provided it. You're saying, Daddy, I need this. I thank you that by the strength, Jesus' strength, I'm healed, and I receive my healing in whatever area you need healing. Wherever area you need provision. Jesus said six times in John 14, 15, and 16, if you ask anything in my Father's name, he will do it, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. Why is the Father glorified in the Son? Because it's a gift! <laughs> The whole reason Jesus came, came was that you can enjoy salvation, which includes forgiveness, wholeness, healing, provision, and also deliverance if you and when you need it. Romans 11, 6 says, And if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, then it's no longer of grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. You can't have it both ways. Either it's grace or it's works. If it's grace, it's no longer work. If it's work, it's no longer grace. You can't have it both ways. It doesn't work that way. Okay? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Again, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works of any man shall boast. Philippians says it this way. Therefore, <coughs> excuse me, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, 
For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We've looked at this passage many times in the past. We're going to look at it again here. But God works salvation in us. See, when we become born again, God deposits everything he accomplished through his death and resurrection inside of us. It's called, it, and it's in seed form. We're born again, not a corruptible seed, but a incorruptible seed by the enduring word of God. First uh, Peter 1.23. Okay? He deposits, it's in seed form. But he, it, he's deposited in us in, through the death and resurrection. That's his redemption. We talked about that in our last teaching series. Then, when we work out the salvation he has already deposited in us, Sorry, I said that in the wrong tense. See, when we become born again, God deposits everything we, he accomplished through us through his death and resurrection. Then we work out the salvation he has already deposited in us. And we see the manifestation. We see the results. You work out what God has already accomplished within. If you can't work out something you, you haven't received. See, salvation... Hopefully he got that. I know some of you are trying to write this down. Some of you have to learn speed writing. Salvation is a gift. Salvation, again, is wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. It's also forgiveness. Okay? I didn't have that in the definition, but we know the results of salvation is forgiveness. A major step towards victory is to quit looking for salvation to come. We're not waiting for salvation to come. God has already provided through Christ 2,000 years ago. We just need to receive what he's already provided. See, a major step towards victory is to begin to understand salvation is in us. A major step towards victory is to begin working out the salvation that is in us. We already have salvation. We already have wholeness. We already have healing. We already have prosperity. We already have deliverance. It's not God's turn to move. He moves. God has already provided salvation. It's our turn to believe. It's our turn to receive. It's our turn to put faith in His grace. Let's go back to Philippians real quick. See, therefore, my beloved, as you have always, always obeyed, not in my presence only, but also much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See, it doesn't say work for your own salvation. It says work out. We're not working for it. That's legalism. That's self-righteousness. And we work for our salvation. That is not a gift. That is a wage. And that, therefore we make the cross of Christ no, no effect. We, we, we void out. We negate the whole Death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus died in vain. You don't work for your salvation. Then your faith is in you, not his grace. We work out our own salvation. We are working out our salvation. We are not working for our salvation. We need to understand that. That's a bit, people might not use this terminology, but their doctrine is teaching salvation is dependent on you. That could be nothing, that cannot be further than the truth. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is what God did for us through Jesus. 
Salvation, his grace, can only be received by faith. When we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord, God puts salvation, all his blessings inside of us. And we then work that salvation out. Again, let's look at this word work out. It's, I can't pronounce it in the Greek. Okay? You, you give me your best shot. Okay? Your best is good as mine. But to carry out to the goal. That's what it means. It means to carry out to its ultimate conclusion. I want you to give you time for this to sink in. Work it out. What does that mean? What does it, what does it mean? It means to carry out to its ultimate conclusion. It's in seed form. But we need to work it out. Let me give you an example of what working out looks like. Okay? The student worked out a, math, a problem in, a, in arithmetic. Let me say that again. The student worked out a problem, a math problem, in arithmetic. He worked it out. In other words, the student carried out the problem, <coughs> the math problem, to its ultimate conclusion. They found the answer. Okay? They didn't create the math problem. They worked it out. They didn't work to get a math problem. <laughs> they already have one. They're working out the problem to find out its ultimate conclusion. Okay? We are exhorted to carry out our salvation. Notice the bottom screen, so bear with me. We are exhorted to carry out salvation to its ultimate conclusion, which is Christ's likeness. He's already provided salvation. Now we need to work it out. What does that look like? Holiness, godliness, walking in faith, doing miracles, healing the sick, casting out the, the devils. It means working, doing, being, doing what Jesus would do. It's working it out. It's not us. It's, it's God's grace. It's God's salvation. It's God's nature. It's God. But we're working it out. We're cooperating. We're involved. We're not the source. We're just cooperating. We're yielding. We're working out with fear and trembling. And I can't work out yours with fear and trembling. I can't fear and tremble about both of us. I can only fear and tremble with me. Okay? Going back again to Philippians. We're working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, yes, God is divinely enabling us to will and perform. But we have a part to play too. And that part is we are working out our salvation. We're not trusting ourselves. We are trusting him. We are trusting God takes effort. I said that again in a long chance. Trusting God takes effort. Trusting anybody takes effort. Okay? Now I want to look at Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 uh, in the Amplified real quick. Okay? And the Amplified just for verse 12 alone takes two, two screens because it really amplifies this thing. Okay? But Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear brother, as you have always obeyed my suggestions. Now, anything, when you read the Amplified, anything that's in brackets, the writer included, anything that's in parentheses is actually uh, just Amplified. <laughs> okay. So sometimes I don't always go with those, and I'm not saying that's good or not good. I'm just explaining the Amplified. <coughs> so let's start over. 
Therefore, my dear brother wife, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would all, you would show in my presence, but much more because I am after working. Because I am after work out means cultivate, carry out to the goal. We talked about that, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. What does trembling mean? Well, here we go. Self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, tim timidly, I don't know if I'm saying right, shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. I'm working it out with fear and trembling. Okay? Let's go to verse 13. Same amplified. Not in your own strength, for it is God who is, who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in your own power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. See, see, it's not in your own strength, but it's God all the while effectually at work in you Energizing, creating you, you the power and desire to do it. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction. Let's switch gears here for a little bit, but let's go to Romans chapter 1. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believeth, for therein is the right of God revealed from faith to faith as written the just shall live. By his faith. Again, there's a lot here. We've used the scripture a lot, but let's look at this real quick. <coughs> Again, <coughs> the gospel of Christ, <coughs> that's the subject here, is the power of God unto salvation. I like the King James because it has this phrase or this word, unto salvation. The, go the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We're talking about salvation. Keep in mind what we're talking about. This whole teaching series is about salvation. So the gospel is the power unto salvation. You're not the power to salvation. The gospel is. See, the gospel is the power that releases the effects of salvation in our lives. And again, we'll get into this a lot more deeper later, but salvation is much more than being just being born again. Okay? Again, salvation by definition is forgiveness, yes, wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. But this powerful gospel unto salvation is available to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believeth. Therefore, anyone who is not experiencing all salvation has provided is having a problem believing the gospel. Let's go back. Let's rewind. The gospel is the power of God through salvation. That one who believes. The gospel is the power that releases the effects of, of salvation in our lives. Salvation is much more than being born again. And we understand salvation itself by definition is wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, and also forgiveness and other things. This powerful gospel 
unto salvation is available to everyone who believes. Are you following me? Therefore, anyone who is not experiencing not all salvation is provided is having a problem believing the gospel. The gospel is there. It's the power unto salvation. Salvation is healing, wholeness, prosperity, deliverance. And if we're not experiencing what salvation is a power unto, then the only qualifier that is missing is that we're not believing it. Because that's the only qualifier. The gospel is the power of God, God, power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it. The only qualifier is believing it. And if it's not working, it doesn't mean the gospel is not powerful. It doesn't mean that it's not powerful unto salvation. It means that you didn't turn the thing on. I know when I go to the car and I turn it with the key and it doesn't turn on. Houston, we have a problem. Okay? And today we have cars that all you do, as long as you have the key on your person or around you, you can just hit a button and it turns on. But if I don't have that key, I can hit that button until the, the cows come home and nothing's going to happen. I need to have the key. Okay? Many Christians have not fully understood the true meaning of the gospel. See, Scripture uses the terms gospel and grace interchangeably. You can see this many times. I'll give you a couple examples right now. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, we're in the King James. But none of these things move me, neither count I my, my life dear unto myself. Paul's talking. Okay? Luke wrote it, but Paul's talking. So I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of Christ is the gospel of the grace of God. It's used interchangeably. I'm going to give you another example, also in the King James, Galatians 1.6. Paul, I, Paul, marvel that ye, also, ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. A gospel that is not about the grace of Christ is another gospel. The true gospel is the grace of Christ. Paul, in both of these references, just talk about the gospel and God's grace interchangeably. The grace of God, the grace of Christ, is the gospel. Anything else is another gospel. And Paul, in, in Galatians 1, 6, if you keep reading chapter 1, he, said, he, said, he, he says they're a curse. In case you didn't hear it right, he says it again. Paul, in Galatians, gets pretty blunt with those who are preaching another gospel. He calls it a curse. And any teaching that does not emphasize grace as the way receiving what Jesus has provided is not the true gospel. And if Paul can use strong language calling it a curse, I can too, and I will. Not because I'm being mean, because I am preaching the gospel of Christ. The gospel is the power that releases the effects of salvation in our lives. And salvation is much more than just being born again. If you're not born again, that's a, there can't be anything worse than not being born again. But now that we're born again, now that we are a child of God, 
there is something that we can experience as a child of God. See, the truths of the gospel are not commonly taught and understood in most churches. Some have never taught it because some have never even heard the gospel as far as what we're talking about. I heard another gospel. See, consequently, many Christians are not walking in the benefits of their salvation. We're going to talk about the benefits in part four of this whole series, so we'll get into that a little deeper later. But and also consequently, so let me we say this, let me slow down. Consequently, not only are many Christians are not walking in the benefits of their salvation, many Christians are not walking in the power of God as God would have them. Not because they're into any great sin and revolting against God. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. And if you get the gospel wrong, the, the power is not going to work. <laughs> you know, you can try to wire... Electricity runs through copper very well. But if you, if you want to run your electricity through wood, you can try, but it's not going to work very well. You know, Sherry makes recipes, but there's some some things you can substitute, some things you can't. And if you if you leave out the salt, or you leave out the flour, or you leave out the sugar, it ain't gonna taste the same. It ain't gonna turn out the same. In some ways, it's not gonna turn out at all. Am I making sense? For example, you can't have an apple pie without the apples. It, it might be a pie, but it ain't an apple pie. Okay. Salvation again is wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believeth. I want to look at this last this the suffix if of the end of the word belief. This if. That's what that's King James. King James uses the word if a lot in words. What does this if mean? Well it's a present present part of it. And it, the present part of what means it's an act or process that continues. It's not a one-time thing. It, you believe and continue to believe. The gospel is the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes it. Praise God you believe it today. But if you don't believe it tomorrow, it's not going to work for you tomorrow. I didn't say you lost your salvation tomorrow. I just say you're not going to benefit the power of your salvation tomorrow too. I can't believe the gospel once I'm going to get healed every single time. No, I have to apply the gospel. I have to apply the salvation every time I need it to activate in my life. See, someone that believeth is someone who believes and continues to believe. Are you following me? This is just basic grammar, Greek grammar here, okay? Faith that results in salvation cannot be abandoned. And still produce results. Some of us started out well, but we abandoned faith. We abandoned it. We got our eyes off Jesus and we got our eyes on the storm, like Peter. Did Peter walk on water? Yes, he did. But what happened when he took his eyes off Jesus and on the storm, he began to sink. He abandoned faith. <coughs> but he did the right thing. He cried out, Jesus, help! And what did Jesus do? He helped him, and he walked in the water a second time back to the boat with Jesus. He abandoned it for a moment, but then he got back with Jesus, and he walked in the water and saw results. See, just because you abandoned it, don't beat yourself up. 
Brush yourself off and get back in faith. What is, and if you, how do you get back in faith? Well, where does faith come from? The Word of God. You know, there, there's been many times, even as a pastor, I in a bat, I mean, I was frustrated this morning because we were having technical problems. How do I get that fixed? I get back in the Word of God. I get back into worship. I get I, I, I do other things, and I, I I get I you know that's where faith comes from. You know, I can beat myself up, and, and I'm not saying it's right, but sometimes how I react and how I respond, and I, I know I need to work on that. But at the same point in time, you know, how do you really fix it? Get back in faith. How do you get back in faith? Get, where does it come from? It doesn't come from me. It comes from the Word of God. So sometimes i got to get back into worship. Sometimes i got to get back in His presence. Sometimes i got to get back in the Word, and so I can be encouraged and get back in faith, and so I can, I can start seeing results again. We all have had times where we got our eyes out the storm. We blame Peter for sinking, but no, none of the other guys got out. He's the only one who walked in the water beside Jesus. We blame him for sinking and, and, and being <coughs> and abandoning his faith for a moment, but some of the other guys never even started. And most of us have never gotten out of the boat. Okay? It's not about walking in the water, but some of us have never even taken a chance at it. Never took a stab at it. Some of us are still playing the safe in the boat, and we're not seeing results. Okay? And I'm using the whole walk in the water as just an example. I'm not talking, the, the point of this message is not so we all go have walk in the water lessons. Okay? The point of this is so we start seeing results of our salvation in our lives and other people that we'll minister to. Let's go to Colossians real quick. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And you who once were alienated as enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, I'm, I'm talking about not abandoning faith, if you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, that's what we're talking about, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul is exhorting the church in Colossae, and he's exhorting us to continue in the faith. It's a fight of faith. It's a walk of faith. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. We need to continue to believe. We need to continue to believe. We believe to get saved. We believe to get born again and praise God. And if that's all you get, you're going to heaven and, and you're good. But there's still work to do. Not to get to heaven. There's work to do to bring salvation and life to people who don't have it. And there's, there's work to do. And there's, there's, a, there's a gospel to preach to the world. There's a gospel to be demonstrated to the world and healing the sick, casting out devils, and raising the dead. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. He's talking about end time events. He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and different things. But he says the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world, and then the end will come. See, the gospel of the kingdom and what is preached today are not the same thing. 
I'm not saying this in there. I'm not, I'm not wiping everybody with this brush. But in many circles today, the gospel of the kingdom and what is preached in many circles today is not the same thing. See, the gospel is good news. That's what it means. It also means glad tidings. Same thing, just in terminology. Okay? And it's true, God hates sin. It's true, all who are not born again will go to hell. And this is true. It's true that God hates sin, and it's true that those who are not born again will go to hell. But that, although it's true, is not the good news of the kingdom. There's nothing good about that. It's true. And at some points it needs to be shared. But it's not the gospel. Okay? Yet most religious teaching centers on what we do. Instead of what Jesus has already done for us. See, the gospel teaches Jesus redeemed us through his death and resurrection. We talked a lot about that in our last teaching series. The gospel teaches salvation is ours if we just believe. Romans 10, 1 to 13. I'm not going to go there right now. But many people who have heard the bad, many people who have heard the bad news of religion are so consumed with self and striving to earn their own salvation. They're working their fingers to the bone to try to get saved. And they have not only made Jesus their Savior, but they also place the burden of salvation on themselves. It's impossible. Through religion, many have negated the death and resurrection of Christ. Do you know how many posts I see on Facebook from, from sincere Christians who preach all about hell and sin, but never preach Jesus? Yes, they're dying and going to hell. Yes, they need to repent. But when are you going to preach salvation? When are you going to give them the answer? Because if all they do is repent and not sin, and they don't have Jesus, they're still going to hell. They need Jesus. And if they don't have Jesus, they can't turn from their lifestyles. They need Jesus. They need help. You keep talking about the problem, but you never talk about the solution. You preach the bad news, and to a certain degree, the, the bad news needs to be preached so people know they need a Savior, but when are you going to preach the Savior? When are you going to preach the Gospel? See, through religion, many have negated the good news. They don't talk about it at all. Understand, to a certain degree, we need to talk about the law to bring people to know that they need salvation. But it's his goodness that leads them to repentance, not the bad news. Through religion, many have only heard the bad news. Through religion, many have only heard, only preached the bad news. Only the gospel is the power of God into salvation. The bad news is not the power of God into salvation. The good news is. Are you hearing me? The bad news is true. But it's not the power of God into salvation. The gospel, the good news, is the power of God into salvation. Only the good news is the power of God into salvation. The bad news is not the gospel of the kingdom. It may be true. 
but they're not going to save nobody. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world, and then the end shall come. See, millions still have not heard that Jesus alone saves. Titus says, the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What, it, you, the people are preaching, but they're not preaching grace. Many preachers despise the grace of God. Because they think he gives a license to sin. No! Because the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live that's openly, righteously, and godly in present day. Those preachers who teach that grace will give you a license to sin have not ever heard the grace of God. Because the grace of God teaches you to deny it. And you're and if you're not preaching the grace of God, according to Paul, you're preaching another gospel, which he says you are a curse. I'm not saying this to be mean, I'm not, but I am on a soapbox because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm saying this to preach the truth. And have I become your enemy because I preach the truth to you? Titus goes on to say, verse 13 14, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. Let's go back to verse 11 real quick. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and lusts. We should live soberly righteous and godly in the present age. The grace of God brings salvation. The grace of God has appeared to all men, but not all are saved. Why? Because not all have believed. We have to respond to God's grace in faith. I've got to pick up speed a little bit here because I'm running out of time. Okay? Grace alone does not save. Faith alone does not save. Salvation, His grace, can only be received by faith. But the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. It teaches us to live soberly and righteous. Grace does not lead us to sin. Grace teaches us to deny sin. And those who use grace as an excuse to sin pervert the grace of God. And those who don't teach the grace of God pervert the grace of God. He goes on to say that, I, I get for time, I get, I get to my yellow portions, that he might... He, Jesus, might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify it for himself. Jesus redeemed us from all sin. And grace teaches us to deny sin. That's what it teaches. And if you don't think that, you don't believe that, you have never heard the grace of God. And if you have never heard the grace of God, you have never heard the gospel. Again, going back to verse 14, uh, skipping ahead. Who, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for, our, uh, for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Well, I, I thought you weren't about good works, Pastor Day. No, we're not saved because we do good works. We're saved so we can do good works. We are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. See, people, people who have a revelation of God's grace are zealous to do good. Not to earn his grace, but because he loves them by grace. I could go a lot deeper with some of this, but let's go to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians, 
In him, Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth that the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed. Again, let's look at this word gospel. It means good news. It means glad tidings. See, the emphasis here is news. News is not something that will happen. News is something that has happened. Of course, today they don't even talk about what has happened. They just make it up. Salvation is news. Salvation is news. Because it already happened at the cross. Christ already died. Christ already rose again. Salvation is news. And it's good news. It's not bad news. Salvation is a finished work. Salvation is good news. And all we have to do is believe and receive it. In the closing, I'm going to finish up with this topic of <coughs> Ephesians. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let's look at this word sealed real quick. In the Greek, you can try to pronounce that on your own. To stamp with a signet or a private mark for security or preservation. To preserve. See, the Holy Spirit protects our salvation. The Holy Spirit seals our salvation. The Holy Spirit preserves our, <coughs> our salvation. Paul said it here. We'll go, we'll go back to Ephesians in just a moment. But here he says, Who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit of our heart as a guarantee. I'm not going over a little bit. We started a little bit late, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this out. 2 Corinthians 1 22. Who has, who has sealed us and given us the Spirit of our heart as a guarantee. See, Seal means to stamp with a signet. It also means reserve. It's a seal of ownership. A king would put their seal, their signet, it's owner, in ownership. It also means to authenticate documents. Sherry and I do apostilles. We help authenticate U.S. documents to go in other countries. It's an authentication of certain things. If, if the king didn't put their signet ring on it, 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 in many ways it wasn't authenticated. See, the Holy Spirit seals us. Like one who seals fruit in jars to make preserves. My wife makes those. They might not make preserves, but she makes jam. And she seals those puppies. Okay? And our born-again spirits are sealed. They cannot content be contaminated by the flesh. And I know some people disagree with this, but then you just disagree with the Word of God. Because Ephesians says, After your heart, in Him all you also, after your heart heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Spirit of the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the Christian possession to the praise of his glory. I don't have time to go into all this detail with this, but two things are required here. The gospel must be heard, and the gospel must be believed. You can't preserve something that hasn't been heard and believed. And now we heard, we believe, and heard the gospel. Now, I know I'm going a little fast. You can always uh, watch the video and get this in slow motion, okay? And I apologize for that, but I am over time. In him also we heard the word of God, truth, having... Where did I get these two things? Because having heard the word of God, the truth of the gospel of your salvation, whom you have also believed. Romans 10, 14 says this way, How then shall we call him whom they have not believed? And how should they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Acts 16.31 says, 
and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I know I'm going fast here. I'm reading through some of the stuff and I'm going to try to give me the punchlines here. Going back to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one confession is made unto, again, that phrase, unto salvation. See, after our salvation, we receive a brand new spirit. We're born again. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's a whole other teaching, but we teach in this church spirit, soul, and body. We have a spirit, we have, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Okay? The, the body, most of us have, really understand what that is. We sometimes disagree or get confused between the spirit and the soul. The Word of God dissects the difference between the spirit and the, and the soul. When you become born again, it's your spirit that's saved, not your soul. Not your body. They will be. We will. We are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. Your your soul again. Your, your again. Your your spirit is what's born again. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. Okay. We're not. We we go more teachings on this, and other teachings. And maybe I will teach on this a little bit later this year because I have never put some time on this as Andrew and the loss of Virginia. Okay. But our salvation, we receive a brand new spirit. That's what I'm trying to make a point right now. Our born-again spirit is free from sin. Our born-again spirit is pure. The Holy Spirit seals our born-again spirit. And our born-again spirits are sealed, and they cannot be contaminated by the flesh. And I know some people have a hard time with that. But John says this, or Jesus said this to John, well, John wrote it, and he answered and said unto him, Nicodemus, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We'll spend a lot more time on this passage here in our, our third week on, on, the, on the salvation, okay? But verse 5 says, Jesus answered, most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God, and he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We'll spend a lot more time on that later. But in 1 John chapter 3, whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. We'll go to John chapter 3 a lot more detail later, but I'm ending right with this, that God has preserved us. And if we are born of God, our spirit man, if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you'll get messed up on this. Because uh, but it's our spirit man that has been preserved. It's our spirit man that has been born again. And whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed. If we're born again, not a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God remains in him. And he, his seed, cannot sin because he has been born of God. It's sealed. I know a lot of people get hung up on that. But... I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going with God. If I can't believe God, the word of God, then what else am I going to cut out? Okay? And am I saying that it's okay to sin? No, we already taught that. The grace of God teaches to deny godliness. Okay? And so 
in First John chapter 2, he deals with that. I teach these things so you don't sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father himself. We'll get into that a little bit later. This wraps up my teaching today on the gift of salvation. We're not done with salvation. We're just barely getting started. This is more of the intro. We're going to talk next week, which is actually part of one of my favorite lessons besides week four, and which week four will be actually multiple lessons, is that we'll talk about the purpose of salvation next week. And this is, I'm really excited about next week's lesson. Thank you. God bless you guys. I apologize. We will not be meeting tonight. We will see you next Sunday. Uh, God bless you. Have a good week.